0: Our sermon this morning is based on 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is the word of our loving Lord. We're talking about prayer today. And if you think of prayer life, there are sort of two different bits you can slide into. And as we think about prayer today, I want you to ask yourself, because it's a personal question, which one am I closer to sliding into in my typical life? First, we could treat God like he is some type of spiritual vending machine. We go up to the vending machine, we pick pick B4, and we expect that the thing that's in B4 is going to drop right in front of us. We do that to God, and we say, God, I want this, and then we wait with our hand out and say, God, I want it now, and I want exactly what I said that I deserve. Or maybe maybe you fall to the other side of, of maybe misusing prayer occasionally. Where prayer is, is set off to the side and it's one of those cases that says break glass in case of emergency. It's got like the, the fire extinguisher in it. And, and you're supposed to go over there and, and when it's a last resort, when, when everything else has failed, that's when you break the glass, that's when you use prayer. When all of the other options in life seem to have fallen short. Then, and only then, We'll go to God. Today, we are talking about confidence in prayer. Where does our confidence come from? Do we currently pray confidently now? And how could we pray more confidently in our prayer life in the future? It starts with verse 13 of our reading today. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John is laying the foundation here. He's talking to people that that clearly there had been some type of mix-up in the church. This group called the Gnostics had come into the church there and they had brought all of these weird teachings. These teachings that made the Christians there rethink simple truths that had been revealed to them by Jesus and by the other apostles. Truths about who God was. Who Jesus was. What the Christian life looked like. And they had brought all of these weird teachings into the church. And essentially what John is doing as he talks through 1 John is he's saying, go back to basics. Let's go back to the fundamentals, to the foundations, the things that you know to be true because you believe them from the beginning. And this is one of them. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a present thing. It's something that's happening in real time. It's not as if God is taking eternal life and he's holding it out there and he's just saying, well, come a little further and I'll finally give it to you. It's not something that we're chasing after. John is telling the people, John is telling us today that God has taken eternal life And he has placed it in our hands. And he does so as a preface to talking about prayer. Because something that was true back then is just as true today. The grace of Jesus, his work accomplished for us, serves as the foundation, the bedrock on which prayer is built, the bedrock on which our prayer life is built. And so, John doesn't go into super deep detail in prayer. He just simply says that you know that you have eternal life, and therefore everything in your prayer life should follow thereafter. Does that sometimes slip our minds? When we go to God in prayer, do we always go to God with that perspective in mind that that He has secured our victory forever? Or do we sometimes pray out of fear? Is it fear and worry that drive our prayer life? And and we start to pray these prayers to God and, and essentially we get it in our head that if God doesn't come through on this one thing, if God would happen to grant my request in a way other than I want him to, then my whole life is gonna fall apart. This whole situation is gonna come crumbling down. And John says, That's not how we need to pray we have been invited to pray in a way that has confidence in our eternity, that latches on to our eternity and says, you know what, my prayer could be answered however God sees fit. I know it won't change the fact that I have eternal life. If God decides to answer my prayer how I wanted him to, great, I'm saved. And if he doesn't, if the cancer stays... If the pain persists, if the depression deepens, if the anxiety runs out of control, even in those situations, you're saved. It's that confidence that makes our prayer life not just a string of desperate pleas asking God to fix our life here on earth, It's a string of prayers that come from our confidence in salvation, knowing that God has already fixed the problem, the unfixable problem in our lives, that he's reconciled us. He's rebuilt the relationship with us. Could you imagine if you had to pray without that knowledge? I was watching a show this week and the, the main character, uh, at one point, he, he gets down on his knees and it's, he's making some, some joke about prayer and, and he, he looks up to God and he says, God, if you're out there, I know it's been a while since we've talked, but, but I'd really like this or that, so if you're out there and can hear me, please answer. It sounds silly. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds darn near disrespectful to God. But brothers and sisters, that's how some people have resorted to praying. In these times of great need and tragedy, they pray to a God they don't know exists. They pray to a God that they're not sure is going to come through for them. They pray to a God that they're not sure is going to hear them. To us, we like to say, that's them, not us. But do those fleeting feelings come in our lives as well? You've prayed the same prayer for the same thing week after week, month after month, year after year. You've begged God. And he's not answering it the way that you think he should be answering it. Is there part of us that thinks, you know what? If God could hear me, he would be answering it the way I want him to because I don't see any other good way for this to end. Maybe I'm just not praying the right words. Maybe if I can find the perfect formula of words, God will answer my prayer how I want him to. But God says, chase that mind, that thought, as far away from your mind as possible. As John writes, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God went out of his way to bring you into his family. God went out of his way to work a personal faith in each and every one of your lives. God has gone out of his way to stand by your side, to be there in the good times and especially the bad times. Do you really think it's possible that that same God would turn his back on you in your prayers? If you're a parent out there and your child asks for something and you know that they need what they're asking for, is there anything that would get between you and getting that thing done for them? You would give an arm or a leg to make sure that your child had exactly what they needed in this life. How much more would God do that for us? God gave up his son to save us. And now that he's got us, he's certainly not going to let us go. And he's certainly not going to turn his back on us when we pray to him. And now you're thinking, that's great, Pastor. But you sort of skipped over a few words that, that wind up complicating prayer life. If we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. What is God's will? What is it that that God wants? Ecclesiastes does a really good job on actually setting the stage for this as as we try to to figure out who God is and, and what God wants here in this world. Ecclesiastes says, Then I saw all that God had done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all his efforts to search it out, man cannot discover its meaning. Even if a wise man claims he knows... He cannot really comprehend it. People spend a lot of time in this world trying to figure out what the will of God is. They spend time in prayer just asking God to reveal just a little bit more of what he wants for them. And when you do that, it gets a little frustrating. Because what are we supposed to do when it comes to figuring out the will of God? Does he want us to pray for some special divine revelation for some internal spiritual movement? Does he want me to guess at it? How does God want me to know how to pray? He says, pray according to my will. But if God is so incomprehensible as he is revealed to be in Ecclesiastes, then how am I supposed to pray according to that God's will? We go to the place where he perfectly revealed himself for us. We go to Scripture. The place where God has revealed His commands, His promises, and His actions. All the things that God says He wants, everything that is caught up in His will, that's where we find a complete explanation of it. You know, they say when when spouses live together for long enough, they start to behave like one another. That's how it sort of works with the will of God. The longer we spend with him in scripture, the the, the more time we spend trying to dig into who he is, who we are, and what our relationship is like with him, the better we understand his complete and utter revealed will, that which he wants for us. You can go to different passages, like the one in Isaiah that says, so do not fear For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What's the will of God? How can we pray according to the will of God? Well, it's clear that you wouldn't fear, that you wouldn't be dismayed, that he would strengthen you as he sees fit, that he would uphold you in his way. Those are things that God has revealed are a part of his will. He wants to strengthen you in his way. He wants to uphold you in his way. We can pray those prayers to God. Please, Lord, strengthen me. Uphold me. And we know that every single one of those prayers is yes in Christ because he's told us that he's going to do those things. We see as Jesus leaves the earth, he he says to his disciples in Matthew, he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We can turn to God and say, dear Lord, please do not leave me. And we know the answer to that prayer is yes in Christ that those things that God has promised to do, he will not go back on. We can pray knowing that what God has ordained, what God has promised, will come to fruition in our lives because God's word, God's promises, God's essence, it just can't be broken. In Exodus, the later chapters of Exodus, we see Moses going before God and saying, God, you promised. The Lord's anger was was burning against the people of Israel, and and he was thinking about wiping them from the face of the earth, and essentially Moses steps in and says, "Oh, oh, Oh God, you promised. You said you would be patient. You said you would be loving. You said you would be their God. You said that you would sustain them. You said that the line of the Savior would come through them. Did God need to be reminded of the promises? No. But that's the type of relationship that God invites us into. That we can take those promises of God and turn them around and hand them back to him and say, God, you promised. You might see that as as a struggle. Struggling with God in prayer does not show weak faith. Struggling with God in prayer is what we saw Jacob do. Struggling with God in prayer doesn't show weak faith. It shows quite the opposite. It shows that we know that our everything, our future, our present, and our eternity are wrapped up in the promises of God. And that if he doesn't keep them, it all falls apart. And so, yes, brothers and sisters, we can take those promises of God and we can turn them back to God and say, Hey, God, guess what? You promised these things to me. And God says, I absolutely did. And those are the things that I'm going to give you. So what about the things that aren't in Scripture? Unfortunately, also in Exodus, it does not say, and when your knee starts to hurt, I will relieve that pain. That's not in here. So how do we pray those things when we don't know what the will of God is on them. It's not about putting together the perfect prayer, this perfect laundry list of things that God has said he's going to do and the things that that we want God to do. It's an attitude. It's coming to God in prayer and saying, You know what, God? This is what I want, but your will be done. And your will is a lot better than mine. If you're looking for examples, we see it in the Garden of Eden. Jesus goes to his Father. Jesus himself says, Father, if you are willing to take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Was the cup of Jesus taken away? No. He went on and and he suffered and he died. So was Jesus wrong to pray that to God if it wasn't in God's will? Absolutely not. He prayed with an attitude of not my will God but your will be done. We see the same thing happen when Paul prays. Paul prays for for some difficulty to be taken out of his life and it says, I was given a thorn in my flesh three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God never did. Paul would live with that that thorn in the flesh until the very day he died. Was Paul's prayer wrong? No. He went before God and he wrestled with God and he was okay with the fact that God's answer was, I've got something better for you. That's what prayer is. There's all different, things, different sayings of how God responds to prayer, but, but I heard it this week, and I think it's, it's very appropriate for our sermon today. God, when he's responding to prayer, says one of two things. Yes, or here's something better. We have such a, a closed, narrow scope on what our life and what this world should look like, but God's got the whole thing in focus. So when we come to God with prayer, to, to God in prayer with a request, God looks at where we're at in life, and He draws a line to heaven, and He says, "Anything that gets in the way of that line, I'm getting rid of." He says, "I'm going to answer all of your prayers to make sure that that line stays intact," because He sees the big picture. He sees how you can get from right now to eternity. And he's going to answer your prayers, maybe not in the way we want, but in the way that he wants for us. Gives us confidence. I have a confession. We're all friends here. The first few weeks and, and months of a ministry, the, the prayer, the eloquent, eloquent prayer that often goes up from my lips has been, Lord, Lord. Just don't let me screw it up. It's not pretty. Might not be perfectly worded. But it comes with a confidence in God that he will carry out exactly what he wants for me and what he wants for our church. That's how we can pray confidently to God. Not... Trying to put the perfect words in the perfect prayer so that you put together this 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 perfect request from God. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about a trust in our perfect God and His perfect will to do what is best and what is right for us. That's confidence. Amen.